Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Richmond, and this is the Dwelling Witchley Bible Study Podcast, where we love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are women who enthusiastically and intentionally dwell in the Word and let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. You can find more Bible studies and messages like this at jennifergrichmond.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, and thank you for listening. There's great content ahead and tips to help you live with joy and purpose. Let's get started for today's message. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get started um, on our lesson tonight, and so welcome back, everyone. Uh, It's great for you guys to be here with me in person, and it's great to have you guys here with me online as well. And those of you who are joining and watching this video later on, it's just just great to have this much technology that it's in our favor, right? And be able to, to do this right now. I love that. So right now we're reviewing uh, lesson one of our Romans Wild and Redeemed study. There's a page for you for notes. And those of you who are online, I um, uploaded the, the teaching notes so you guys can look at that. Everybody else can access those later. I'm not playing favorites. <laughs> <laughs> you can access those too. It's just a little easier for you just to watch this uh, screen in just a minute. Um, so, wow. <laughs> All of Romans in two weeks. Good job. Good job. Give yourselves a pat on the back. for That was a big, big deal. Who remembers that song from Sunday school? Deep and wide. Remember that? Remember that? You know, I asked that question in the Tuesday Bible study, and I'm not exaggerating. They literally broke out in song. I just said, do you remember that song? And then just everyone started singing. Do you guys know well enough to sing? Remember? Deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And then what did we do? Mm, and there we go. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So that, I just kept on thinking of that song as, as I was going through Romans, because isn't it? It's just so deep. There's so much in, in this. I just kept on circling back to that and how big the message of Romans is to take it all in and how challenging it's going to be for me tonight and for you also, for me to cover it in this seven-hour talk that we have here uh, together. No, seven, nine, okay. Can I have 40 minutes? I'll take 40 minutes. <laughs> Um, all right, so 40-minute talk, and we'll, we'll review everything we've been over and uh, dig a little bit more into some interesting tidbits for you. I'm going to cover the message that you, um, the material that you all already went through for the last couple of weeks. You know, and as I was uh, preparing for this, I was thinking about Paul's, let me get my slides up here for the, let me get my slides here for the home group. There we go. I was thinking about uh, Paul's, oh my goodness gracious, it's... <laughs> Well, don't look, don't look. <laughs> that was kind of weird. It's like, I'll lay hands on my little thing. I got possessed there for a second. All right, and there's the message backwards, and there we go. <laughs> what happened? Everybody online's like, I don't know what she's talking about. It was really exciting here. The Shekinah glory came upon us all. I missed it. All right, um, so... <laughs> This idea of the word being so deep and, uh, and, and so wide, it brought to mind a, a quote that I had heard long ago that God's word is like a shallow water, water enough for a child to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough 
for a theologian to swim in without ever touching the bottom. And didn't you feel a little bit of both as you were reading a little bit of like, oh, I feel like a theologian because I'm kind of understanding this. And then you feel like a child, like, we'll just splash around. I don't know idea what this means. <laughs> you want to relate to that? I know I did for sure. So I kept on thinking about that and I would think of you and, and, and our get together today and how we would all discuss it together. And I just kept on praying for all of us to have more understanding. And it reminded me of, of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter three, verse 17 and 19, where he says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. There's that song, right? And thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So no matter how deep and overwhelmed you might feel and not understanding, we know what the goal is, <clears throat> that we would know the love of Christ. It surpasses knowledge. So it's to no surprise that we can understand it. Amen? All right. So that's my prayer as I was getting ready for our talk and as I write each of the lessons for you. And that's my prayer as we get into it tonight. So let's go ahead and pray right now and begin. Father God, I thank you so much for a chance that we have together. What a blessing it is to be able to come into your awesome word. Nothing else can satisfy us like your word can. And we are hungry today. We have a lot on our mind and in our heart. We just need to know your calming presence. And I thank you for going before us in our time together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And may those words that are blessed by you remain in the hearts of those who are hearing my voice right now. And we just want to give this time to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 All right. So the riches of Romans, so simple. And we amen the truths that we can understand and so deep. Uh, we can get a little overwhelmed by it all. But I want us to really focus here tonight on um, what's important to know about Romans. And my guess is, as we move through it, um, your understanding of your faith is gonna shift. It has shifted throughout the ages since Romans was written 2,000 years ago. It has influenced the church that you're in and the chair you're sitting in today. You have that nice, comfortable chair today because of the book of Romans, and let me explain. But the book of Romans gripped the heart of men like Augustine, the father of the church, and from there, Luther, who said, hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing it that way. Maybe we should let people read the word, and he put all of his thoughts about that, and he literally nailed them to uh, the Wittenberg door and uh, told the, uh, the Catholic church at the time basically where to put it. And so it sh everything shifted from that moment forward that started the Reformation. Uh, Calvin came along and brought things together and tightened things up in another way. Uh, Wesley came along and was influenced because of the book of Romans directly. He said it was because of the book of Romans. Uh, your King James Bible was originally uh, influenced and inspired by a man named William Tyndale. And he was inspired to translate the Bible and get it into the people's hands because of reading Romans himself. And so you hold in your hands this beautiful, rich heritage of all of the shoulders that we all get to stand on. And Paul, we're all standing on him and Paul, of course, um, on the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ himself. So it's important to know Romans. It's important to know because it's such an awesome book, but because our entire faith is summed up so well in these pages. So this letter is um, unique uh, in the Bible, but it's unique in history also. In, in the Bible, it's the longest New Testament letter. So we call those epistles, but you know what? It's actually the longest epistle in all of ancient history. 
there's no other epistle that's been found to be longer than this epistle to Romans. And that's how they communicated back in the olden days uh, when they uh, wrote letters to communicate, called them epistles. And uh, in ancient times, this is the longest letter they've ever found, secular or, or not. Um, we know from reading it that Paul, at the time of the writing Romans, had never been to Rome and been there yet, right? And that Jewish and Gentile Christians were just getting established there. And so this letter is unique, and it looks different as a result than letters that you might read in the Bible, like Colossians and Galatians. Galatians was written in a very specific response to some issues with these people called Judaizers, who were trying to bring the Christians in and saying, hey, you're going to have to get circumcised. And they're like, well, let's talk to Paul. And uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. So they didn't have to get circumcised. First uh, Corinthians was written for, uh, against uh, talking about unity or disunity in the church. Philemon, a really teeny tiny little epistle was written uh, addressing um, this runaway slave. And so Paul knew these people, but Paul didn't know the people he was writing to yet. And he just um, heard of them. Um, he's been to Antioch and Jerusalem, and he's been to Ephesus, he's been to Philippi. He went back to his hometown right away in Tarsus and preached the gospel there. He's been longing and longing to go. He has not been to Rome yet. And it's always interesting to understand history as it runs parallel to the Bible. So we read the Bible, and then we think, what's going on? You know, and I, we like to picture it in our mind, historically, what's happening at that point. So I want you to understand a little bit of what's happening historically, because that's going to really give you a key to unlock why the dialogue is taking place and what's happening in Romans. So about the eight, year AD 49, about 15 years or so after the resurrection of Christ, the Roman emperor at the time was Claudius. And he was over it with the Jews, and he kicks them out of Rome. Now, they've been kicked out before, but he really kicks them out. He kicks out the Jews, and with them, the Jews who had become Christ followers, the, the Christians, the followers of the way we learned about in Acts. And that incident is actually recorded, not just in history, but in Acts chapter 18. It's right there. So you might have a note of that in your Bible study if you were with us in the Acts study. So Claudius dies in AD 54. Remember, Jews are out of Rome, out of Rome. Jewish Christians, all those little baby Christians, out of Rome. He croaks over, and God, because God's got over it with Claudius, and um, he croaks over in AD 54, and the Jews and the Jewish Christians start trickling back and coming back into Rome, like kind of like, is it safe yet? Can we get back to our families? Can we get back to life, you know, in Rome? So while the church was growing, they came together in homes. They didn't come together in synagogues because there weren't any synagogues to really get together and they were gone. And so that's why when you open up Romans, it doesn't say to the church in Rome. It's just to the people because there was no church established there at all. So Paul's letter would have arrived around AD 57. Scholars might disagree, you know, here and there, plus or minus on that one. But at this point, there's a lot of Christians now in that area, and Paul opens up this epistle, this letter to these believers, and he tells them he's longing to see them, and he's um, really proud of them. You can feel that in that opening chapter, can't you? Um, he says, your faith is famous. His word's out, he says in Romans 8. Your faith is proclaimed throughout the whole world, right? So here's something exciting at this point. Paul, or the artist formerly known as, actually the Pharisee formerly known as Saul, is writing to people that he's never met, remember? And uh, he's let them know that he's heard of them. Or rather, he's heard of their faith. 
And this is exciting, you know, because Paul really could have opened up Romans with, hey, um, I'm sure you've heard of me by now. <laughs> I used to persecute and murder you. And I'm on your side now. And, um, but he opens up with, you guys are killing it for Christ. You know, I used to be really killing it. <laughs> and you guys are killing it. You're killing it for Christ right now. And he's super proud of them. And uh, you know, loose, you'll hear me with the loose Greek translation. Just give me a little bit of leeway on that. So um, instead of opening and talking about him, lowercase h, he opens up and he talks about him, capital H, Jesus Christ, and he puts all the glory on Jesus. And pretty much the only thing that he says about himself is that he's a slave and that he's on a mission. He's a slave and that he's on a mission. And you're going to see more about this in your lesson to come. But ladies, I think this is a great starting point for us to really get it. Um, if we're going to be... Um, like Paul, and he asks us in other letters to be like him, let's keep this in mind. When he thinks about his identity, who he is, he says, I'm a slave of Christ, right? And this is my mission. I'm called to be an apostle. And I want us to be able to distill who we are as women, people, humans, whoever's listening to me, kids, because we got men and women who are joining us uh, through this video, who we are, what our identity is, slave of Christ and what our mission and our calling is. And I'm praying for all of us that we would know, really hammer in and sink in on what our mission looks like so that we're laser focused. This world needs men and women who are laser focused for Christ, don't they? So let me remind you where we've been in our dwelling richly steady. If you were with us at last time, you know, we studied the book of Acts. It was a lot of fun. And that is actually right before Romans, of course, as your Bible is laid out. In fact, if sometimes if you open up your Bible, you might actually see it fold open and Acts is just right there. It's like Acts and then right in to Romans there. So Luke wraps up his account that he wrote um, Acts, okay? And, um, and when he writes that at the very, very end of Acts, he, Luke, and Paul are in Rome. Smaller alert, Paul makes it. <laughs> he gets to Rome. Because that end of Acts actually happens um, after this letter was written, right? So in fact, you can actually even open up um, to Acts chapter 20, and you can make a note in your Bible that Paul wrote to the Romans probably while he was in Corinth in Acts 20. And he was there hanging out for about three months, and many scholars think that's probably when he wrote this epistle to the Romans. These people he had not met yet, little did he know, eight chapters later, that's how they mark things, that's how we mark things now, um, they, that uh, he, he would be already in Rome, and uh, he got a free ticket, he got a free ride to Rome, by the way. Um, uh, Caesar, the ruler, paid for that because he's on trial. And so God just worked it all out. You know, God can use any governor or any magistrate or anything to his purposes. Amen. Glory to Dios, right? We just pray that God would use all of our governors and leaders around here as well. So Paul does eventually get to Rome. We know this, of course, from the rest of Acts. And uh, Paul gets there. And at the end of Acts, we have these closing words. And it's kind of a dun-dun-dun statement, if you think about it, uh, because he says, therefore, because he's had this encounter with these and they're rejecting, the Jews are rejecting his message. Few of them listen, but he says, therefore, be advised that this salvation from God, everything I've just been telling you guys, has been sent to the Gentiles, and the Jews would have been, you know, gnashing their teeth and all that, and they will listen. And then you turn the page in your Bible and boom, they're totally listening. They're, he's talking to Romans right there. It's just so exciting to see how everything fleshed out in that way. I love how God's word just affirms itself. Uh, 
Maybe you remember uh, old-fashioned cameras. Remember those old things? And you had a little film in there. And you had to take the took pictures and you actually had to take them somewhere to get them developed. Remember those? Okay. So uh, do you remember back in the old days when we used to, old days was like six years ago. <laughs> when you used to take the old camera and you want to get the panorama. Remember now you just go, yeah, and it just does it all, you know, magically for you. Remember that? And you had that old camera and you went click. And you try to hold really still click. And then lap it over, click. Oh, did I get that tree? And I don't know. So I was at my friend's cabin a couple of weeks ago and they have one of those old panoramic pictures. Isn't that cool? You see like kind of the seams of the photos. And I looked at it and it reminded me of, of our, what we were doing with Romans. Because you guys just for the last couple of weeks just did this huge panoramic view of all 16 chapters of Romans. And uh, this next couple of weeks coming up, you're going to get a wide angle view. So panorama big is sweeping and wide and now we're going to still get pretty big, um, but you're going to bring it in a little bit. And then as we move forward, you're going to get close up. And then maybe some of you love to get that little feature on your camera, the macro lens, where you can go in and look at the ladybug. You get really in and tight and, and, and use that. So think of it that way as we're moving in and through Romans. We sometimes take this sweeping panorama and it's okay if you don't get every single detail. And some of you, I know that kind of stressed you out, like, am I ever gonna get this done, you know? Uh, and then wide angle and, and then close-ups, right? And then you do the, the little macro lens. All right, so we're gonna move through, again, Romans 1 through 16, in seven, oh wait, 40 minutes. We're gonna, we're gonna do it in 40 minutes. All right, so I'm gonna begin with Romans and we're gonna remember, you've got mail, you know? So we look into Romans and we remember it's a letter. We're reading a letter. And just like if your great aunt Fifi sent you a letter, who has a, who actually still write letters these days, if your great aunt Fifi came in and, uh, and you got a letter from her, you would not probably just open it up to the middle and find your favorite three words that she sent you. Uh, you might, <laughs> you know, I'm sending you cake. You're like, yes. <laughs> and you just keep on going back to those three words over and over again. Uh, no, and if he sends you a letter, you start at the beginning and you read it to the end, right? And what do we do though when we read letters in the Bible? We just pick out our little words. I can do all things through Christ, just drink them. <laughs> so we want to make sure that when we're reading, we, we understand that it, what it is. It's a letter and we're going to read it from start to finish. And yay, you, you, you already did that. You read all of uh, Romans 1 through 16. Good job. All right. So Romans is a letter. We're going to read it uh, like a letter, and we're going to be mindful. Uh, chapter and verses come in later uh, for uh, just a bit refresher on that. Chapter and verse divisions come in later. You can open up your Bible and see all those chapter and verses, or you can uh, go online and remove them. You can go on like Bible Gateway and just change the settings and get rid of it. So it's easier to read um, like a, a letter. It's important for us to always re remember this about scripture, that the scripture is written for us, thankfully, but it wasn't necessarily written to us. We get to benefit from it, uh, but you have to remember the intended audience as we are reading. And as we move forward there, we wanna be thinking about what is Paul communicating to these people, you know, what are they getting? How are they thinking about it? And of course, we're gonna be blessed from that as well. And so as we open up, we see that Romans begins, Paul begins this letter with this great happy news. First seven verses, how excited he is to be who he is new in Christ. And then the next several verses on the people that he's writing to and, and how proud he is and excited he is to see them. And then he starts in on God. We hear a lot about God's righteousness. In fact, that word righteousness is going to appear in uh, Romans 40 times throughout the book of Romans. It's a lot. It comes up a lot. 
So what's the most important thing that we can look for as we study the Bible? We've talked about this so many times. We don't go in looking in the Bible for what I can get out of it necessarily. We first go in looking to meet who? God. I already, I already know me, wretched sinner than I am, right? I need to meet God so I can adjust that, right? I can get back on that, that right track that I need. So I want us to circle back to the righteousness of God over and over and over. Just write it big and bold and use those scratch and sniff marker pens you had when you were in third grade and put stickers and arrows by it. Righteousness, 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 that it describes God's character. Paul thinks this is a really big deal, and it's in the very first opening um, messages. He actually quotes Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous by faith will live, which is one of the most often cited verses from the Old Testament in the New. Um, you remember from the Hebrew study that Psalm, I'll beat out that, this verse by quite a bit, but Habakkuk 2.4 is very popular and it talks all about how the righteous live and they live by faith, all right? So Paul moves us then from this yay and this woohoo moment to this yikes kind of moment. So from yay to yikes, because the wrath of God is revealed. So like, woohoo, we're on a roll, Paul's excited, God loves us, he's righteous and he's good, and bum bum down the next sentence is the wrath of God is revealed. The wrath of God is revealed. And we get this big uh-oh moment, and Paul takes us through Genesis, back to Genesis, back to creation, where it all began. And uh, we start at the very beginning, it's a very good place to start. We that last week in our lesson, right? And Paul does the same thing as well. And I want us to do that. And I'm going to put up four principles that we've talked about so many times. I just, we need to have these cycling in and you can get these notes and save this and put it in your Bible. I want us to keep on remembering these four principles as we are reading so that I want us to reframe how we're thinking about what the Bible is telling me, because it's going to constantly cycle back to these four principles. And let me just listen, ladies, it's going to reframe how you approach everything you do if you can nail these four things down, right? Here we go. And you've heard it before. You're going to go, oh, yeah, 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 I know that one. I know that. First of all, our origin. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? And what does Paul do right off the bat? Boom. Boys, right to Genesis. Where did we come from? Our meaning. What were we created to do? And what's the intent, God's intent, that he created us to do? What's God's intent? It goes, boom, nails it. Next, our morality. How are we designed to live? We go right back to that. Paul nails it and he loops and loops this whole word of God does this. And finally, of course, our destiny. So literally from Genesis to Revelation, all these themes are addressed. But I want us to take that macro view of it uh, really big to this micro view in. And I want us to be thinking about that, how it impacts the way I live, how I live our life. All right. Now, I promised you, I promised you um, that this would not be a seven hour talk not be seven hour talk, but I do have seven hours. I want to talk to you about today. I do have seven hours. All right. So if you like taking notes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, here you go. Here's your seven hours. And uh, this is, this is Romans one through 16 wrapped up for you. Number one, our God and his gospel, our God and his gospel. We got to know him and we got to know what that gospel is and we get it. And we're going to get it over and over again. Number two, ourselves and our need. And boy, does he hammer that. Right there, right off the bat, Romans chapter one, you can't get away from it, right? Ourselves and our need. Number three, our savior and how he saved. Our savior and how he saved. And we move through Romans and we meet Jesus 
and we see what he's what he's done and and if we're familiar with the word and we understand the bible story we go oh that's right this is so perfect and if we're brand spanking new we've never been in the word before we we've never studied this before we still get it we're like heard about jesus that's right and uh we're amazed at it all over again and then we get this wonderful extra special blessing our helper all right because at this point huh, we need it we need the help and paul really gets into this in in romans 6 and 7. we have the holy spirit and he is our helper because we need it number five our understanding of god's word and reading through romans will help you tighten that up all right i think one of the greatest aha moments and don't you love it when you get one of those aha moments one of the greatest aha moments I've had in my spiritual journey was when um, was when someone said to me, "Are you a, are you a Calvinist?" They kind of said it like that. Are you a Calvinist? And I went, I, I don't. I guess maybe I've heard of Calvinism, and if you're familiar with Calvin, John Calvin, and the, the tulips and total depravity and all all the different steps. And I, I I kind of thought in my mind I probably heard of that before, and I thought sure, but I could tell by the look on the guy's face. It's not going to approve of me if I said I was. I, I, so I just said, I think so. I don't know. Don't, don't judge me. <laughs> and then um, a few months later, um, we studied Hebrews together. And we, I, wrote through the, I wrote through Hebrews. And it turns out, guess what? I'm not a Calvinist. You read Hebrews, you're not a Calvinist. <laughs> so I want to understand the word. I want us to have that as our prayer as you go through. Because here's, here you are, ladies. You're in this chair right here. Thank God we have these nice squishy chairs wherever you are at home in your barca loungers. And um, we we have what we're sitting in here, but you know what you also, besides your body and, and your purse and your bag and whatnot, and you brought it to the room, you brought your preconceived ideas about what you think the word of God says. And you brought it all the way from back when you were in, I don't know, vacation Bible school as a kid or church or some message you saw on TVN or something. You know, you, 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 you picked it up along the way. You're like a little decorator crab and you just put all of the Bible and God and everything around you. It became who you are. I want to really understand God's word. So we're going to ask in humility, God, just show me exactly really what does this say? And if I'm holding on to something because that's how I was taught, but I need to reframe it, then please give me the aha moment. I don't want to be so committed to my churchiness that I, I miss Jesus. I miss the word. I miss the truth. All right. Six is our identity and our mission. And we've talked about that a lot. We'll talk about that so much. It's so important. And boys, our world thirsty for true identity and true mission. And seventh is our access to God's love and power, our access to God's love and power. And our, that's just a given. You have access to it. We're going to talk more and more about what that means. So as we move forward here, I want us to see chapters one through three. I'm going to just bullet these out for you as well. And if your hand is tired and your note pages is full, I, I actually have all these notes for you. I like writing notes because it helps me remember. So maybe that's you as well. But I do have the notes available online. You're welcome to just save your wrist and, and just listen on that. Although I do like looking out and seeing you all eagerly taking notes. It's just lovely. Um, so number uh, chapters one through three is um, number one, God's righteousness is good news. We know that, right? Yay. That was the yay. God's righteousness is plain to see right? As plain as the rain in Spain that falls mainly on something like that. And um, we rejected though. And, and we're in big trouble for that. <laughs> dun, 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 another dun, dun, dun moment. Okay. So we, we get one through three. 
And we have also the Jews kind of coming in. And Paul's so great because he asks these little hypothetical rhetorical questions as he goes through the study. And he acts like he might be thinking like what a Jew might say as he goes through. And you're going to hear a lot of those uh, questions. Paul uses that rhetorical device quite a bit in all of his writings. And he uses it, I think it's 60 times in Romans, these questions come up. So have fun looking for those. Um, so Jews are thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe not us, maybe we're not so guilty because we had that special revelation where those special called people. And yeah, no, uh, we're actually more guilty as a result of that. And uh, maybe some of you recall this book from, I think the late mid seventies or so, I, I'm okay, you're okay. And uh, so the truth is, I'm not okay. And, and guess what? You're not either. So there we go. I'm not okay. You're not okay. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. And but guess what? God is still, God is still great on top of all that. So to summarize that, Adam blew it. Jesus nailed it, or it was nailed to him. Is that irreverent? It might be. It might be irreverent. And we receive it. Adam blew it. Jesus nailed it, and we receive it. Chapters four through six, and Paul lets us know that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Adam didn't cut it as our representative, even though by DNA, by spiritual lineage, we are connected to Adam. He didn't cut it, but Jesus did, thank God, literally thank God that he did. And chapter six ends up with the payoff where sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's good news right there. And uh, then we get to chapter seven and we see more questions from Paul again, over 50 questions of Paul. And a couple of things we want to be clear on as Paul starts asking and answering these questions is uh, what he means when he talks about the law. Sometimes he means the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And other times it just means the commandments. Now the Jews would have been familiar with 613 of them. We're more familiar with 10. And um, we, uh, we, we want to know the difference as he's talking about that. So be mindful of that through those chapters, especially. And Paul says, I don't know what I'm doing. Wretched man that I am. Is there any hope? Another type of question that he asks for, right? He asks and answers. But chapter eight ends on a great positive uplifting note that everyone loves to put on their bumper stickers and their magnets and their t-shirts. All things work together for good. <laughs> for those who love God and are calling according to his purpose, people kind of tend to Forget that last part up there. We got to be called according to his purpose to get that. Chapter seven through nine, move us forward. And um, Paul shows his tremendous passion. If you didn't miss, if you didn't get it before, you're getting it now. He is a man of passion, not just for his ministry, but for his people. So much so that in chapter nine, he says, I wish that I were accursed. I wish I were damned to hell is literally what he's saying. Um, if I could die and go to hell, that my people, the Jews, could be saved. That's how much I love my people. Wow. That's a big, beautiful, passionate statement that he makes there. He, he says, all day long, I held out my hands to these stubborn people, just like, Christ, just like Christ and God said as well. And we read also in this passage, this section here, the good news for, for us, that the Jews were cut off. And that we've been grafted in. And we're going to talk about that. There's some tricky stuff here in chapters 9 through, through 10. Uh, because while the Jews have been um, cut off to a certain degree, God has a special plan and continues to have a plan for the Jews. And the church has not replaced the Jews at all. Um, we are all part of his plan. Chapters 12 through 16. And we kind of round the corner. And we kind of get to the part that everyone kind of likes. We get to the Bible because it's a lot of 
people treat it like a lot of morality, like how should I live my life? And chapter 12 opens up like that. So we're kind of, you can feel a little bit of heavy moving through nine through 11, because there's a lot in there. And then it's just like your load lightens um, with chapter 12 through 16. It's not that it's easy because the first thing he says is live in unity. You're like, well, have you met my family? Have you met a Thanksgiving at my house? <laughs> he tells us to submit to authority. So easy to do these days. Um, he tells us to bear with one another. And we're gonna, we're gonna dig into this and some twisted scripture and the way scripture has been misapplied. And we wanna get to the truth of what God's word really says here. And he says, you know, I want you to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles. What a beautiful call for us to wrap up with uh, as, our, as our mission. That, that, is that our heart? Is that who we um, are called to be as well? And are we really living with that uh, mindset as we move forward? You know, of all the things that Romans is, deep, rich, overwhelming theology, beautiful writing, the passion of Paul, right? Of all the things. I want you to be thinking as you're going through, what's the big idea here for me? What is God showing me in this? Churches have been changed because people went through Romans. Lives have been transformed. And I, we say that so often in church, but I mean that in the most literal sense possible. Romans changed history. You can pick up any of those 5, 10, 15, or 25 commentaries you want, and the opening of every single one of them will usually include something about Augustine, something about Luther, something about Wesley, something about these big men of faith leading and having their lives completely turned on a dime because they actually read Romans. Is that what God has in store for you? Is that how he's going to change us as we move through this fabulous book? For me, Romans is hope. Romans is hope. A few years ago, when I first became the women's pastor here and tried to think about what are we going to do for a Bible study, we had such a young, spiritually young group and a and very mixed bag of people. And so needless to say, we did not start with Romans. <laughs> um, but I, I knew that we had a group of women that seemed to be longing for hope. And so I did a word study on hope in the Bible. I said, God, just show me what we should be learning. And I did a word study and I just wrote down all the books that the word hope appeared the most frequently. And you would, would probably wouldn't be surprised to hear that Psalms is filled with hope. And so I, I wrote a little study on Psalms. You know the next biggest book on hope is? You ready for this one? Job appears more often than most other books. Job, right? So we went through Job. You know what else is big on hope? Luke. Luke is hope, 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 hope. Hope in the Lord is recited over and over again. You know what else? Romans. Like I said, we did not jump in with Romans. I mean, Monica, you remember back in the day, you were just a little baby Christian. <laughs> And you were pregnant. <laughs> you were literally a baby and had a baby inside of you. <laughs> and um, so we didn't start with Romans, but ladies, we're ready and we're jumping in and we're doing Romans together. Listen to what Paul says. For in hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? That if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with endurance. Rejoice in hope endure in suffering, persist in prayer. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. That's Romans. That's Romans. Amen? Amen. Are you excited to get in? We have a fabulous couple of weeks ahead. I want to encourage you as you go through these next couple of weeks um, to embrace if you feel overwhelmed again. And remember, you did it last time. You can do it again this time. But I will be online doing the weekdays in the Word, um, little mini studies with you. Jump in. And I've already got lesson uh, day one and day two up. And so you can just do it on the way home and, and take your notes in the car. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> But let's go ahead and close in prayer and, uh, and ask God to bless us as we, um, as we leave here tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you once again for the power of your word, that it does dwell in us richly. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, hearing my voice, God, that you would bless us as we earnestly seek you and desire to grow closer and know you better. Bless these women as they leave here right now and get into your word. Let it come alive, not only on the pages of scripture and from our Bibles, but alive in our life and change the way we live and engage and think about ourselves and think about you. Bless us now as we leave in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.